0: a food stand that sells only fried chicken skins. <laughs> That's disgusting.
1: That's not the part, part of the chicken you're supposed to eat.
0: I mean, I eat it when it's cooked in like not like on its own. <laughs> Ew. Yes, I know. I've literally watched you. <laughs> re- <laughs> you remove like all the skin, even what tiny bit of fat I leave on meat. Like... <laughs> You are the worst about taking stuff like that off of your food. I am Jack Spratt. I don't even get that joke.
1: You never heard the nursery rhyme? No. Jack Spratt could eat no fat. His life his wife could eat no lean. Together they lick the platter clean.
0: I'm pretty sure you're on some kind of drugs because I've never heard what you just said.
1: I've yeah, that is definitely like a nursery rhyme.
0: <laughs> Everyone comment if that's real or if Doug just made that up. Because I'm willing to bet you just made it up.
1: I'm Googling now. <laughs> cool, 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 cool. Yep. Jack Sprite is an English language nursery rhyme.
0: Well, that explains it. What? I don't speak English. I speak weird.
1: Don't you have a degree in English?
0: Oh, yeah, I do, don't I? <laughs>
1: Jack will eat no fat and Joel doth love no lean. Yeah, betwixt them both, they'll lick the dishes clean. Ew. That I, was the original 1639 version.
0: I don't know why, but I really don't like hearing the word lick. <laughs>
1: okay, here's the full rhyme. Oh, God. Jack Sprat could eat no fat, his wife could eat no lean, and so between them both, you see, they lick the platter clean. Jack ate all the lean, Joan ate all the fat, the bone they picked it clean, then gave it to the cat.
0: It's about not wasting food. Yeah, okay sure Jan it's not about the plague <laughs> it just is weird <laughs> I can't deal with it
1: just because it this says, says licked.
0: yeah basically
1: do you think their lick was moist You well, and everyone turns off the box. yeah I mean I don't
0: I don't actually hate the word moist I think it was the mixture of those two words that I didn't like a moist lick Yeah, no I don't like that one for sure why are you like this? Uh, oh, why am I like this? I don't know.
1: <laughs> why? Why just, is my neighbor's at the dog world. <laughs> gestures at the world?
0: Yeah, for real though. <laughs> yeah,
1: why is your neighbor's dog just
0: absolutely losing his mind?
1: Yeah, calm down, Turbo.
0: I'm not even supposed to know that. That's the dog's name. I just heard them yell at once. Oh well. These are the neighbors who don't want to introduce themselves to me. Mm, me not me though not you at all my last neighbors we got along really well yeah we talked all the time
1: yeah i think i think you're the neighbors you have when you're moving in somewhere like those typically you
0: they moved in but they like and i spoke to them and they were like hey yeah. <laughs> and ran away that that would be me i i don't like that like we share a driveway that you all don't know how to park in like i need True. you all to talk to me i need us to be on You know good terms (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) you need to be neighborly well and i'm I'm not talking about like show up at my door with like a (laughs) a measuring cup or something well no like that was really sweet the the other side neighbors that did that but it's just weird to me when people like won't talk to you at all hey (laughs) yeah just that little which is a, and that's the thing too we saw someone yesterday and i like looked up and and tried to like nod at them to just like acknowledge, acknowledge their them. existence and that guy just looked at me like i had two heads uh, or like i had just like insulted him and i'm like boy y'all the ones don't know how to park <laughs> don't talk to me yes this is me taking this out on the podcast if they ever listened. <laughs>
1: well, we are definitely not getting a sponsorship from Nextdoor.
0: Actually, if we had Nextdoor, mm-hmm. I'd be able to post in there and talk to them about it. Because don't they have like a direct messaging thing in there?
1: Um, I do not know. Having always, you know, lived on college campuses for the past Okay, that's fair. <laughs> like eight years.
0: That that's yeah, I'll give you that one. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, um, welcome to the podcast. Hey. You were worried about having a cold open, and we just immediately started talking about stupid stuff. Yeah.
1: Thanks, Turbo, for barking.
0: Yeah, for real.
1: Um, so, welcome to Creepy Campus, where we talk about things that are creepy. And I campuses. almost
0: burned my fingers on my tea. <laughs> it
1: was very steamy tea. It's,
0: it's very steamy. It's so funny, because we started this podcast, and I would always have beer, which never was a problem, as far as, like, hurting me. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Well, 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 but now I'm drinking tea because we record at different times too. And yeah. it's just like, mm, <laughs> it's harder to drink tea yes. while you're podcasting.
1: That tea just also like looks like it's still boiling.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, it's really good. Oh, it's really good. Oh. It's hibiscus tea. It's like hibiscus traditional, what is it, traditional medicines or organic. Oh,
1: uh, it's one of the, it's like the grocery store hippie brand. Like, it's yes. not really a hippie brand, but they try to make themselves look like they are. It's
0: as hippie as we're going to get you where I in, live.
1: You buy it in the organic section.
0: Right. Well, if the Walmart here in Columbia had an organic section. Yes. At Kroger, you would buy it in the organic section. <laughs> yes, which is like, anytime we're in Kroger in like Bowling Green, that's where I live. <laughs> it's
1: the traditional medicinals.
0: Traditional medicinals, yes. It's the company that makes throat coat yes which is like all anyone that's ever worked in theater or studied theater like mm-hmm. you know what I'm talking about when I say throat coat I wonder if they
1: have a cult like sleepy time
0: I don't think so okay sleepy time is weird yeah sleep or, it's not sleepy time it's the celestial, celestial seasonings yeah seasonings is it
1: season celestial Se- seasons i think it's celestial seasons or something
0: now i'm going to look this up <laughs> celestial no it says celestial seasonings Oh, I hate that.
1: So do you think at one point they made like... Spices? Yeah. Which Um, would make sense because a lot of the teas have spices in them.
0: Well, would that make sense though? Because that's... mm, No, it's an American tea company based in Boulder, Colorado. Specializes in herbal teas but also sells green, white, chai, and black. And their... Oh my god. uh, Their annual gross sales are approximately $100 million. They've only been around for fifty-two years.
1: Okay, but for like a tea company, that seems like a big.
0: That's a big profit, but it's fifty-two years. It's for not like that an long. herbal
1: tea company, Cause, I mean... especially American-based, because America's not drinking tea like that.
0: Okay, yeah, that's fair. Oh, Celestial Seasonings was purchased by Kraft Foods in nineteen eighty-four. Oh, that's oh, but then Kraft sold Celestials. Celestial cells Seasonings to Lipton. Oh my gosh. This is very confusing. And then Celestial Seasonings merged with natural food company Hain Food Group in the year 2000. This is very confusing.
1: And I'm sure in some way Jeff Bezos owns it.
0: <laughs> oh, don't say that out loud. Ugh. And also I just typed in Celestial Seasonings which means I'm going to find... Uh, the little-known religion behind it. Yep. <laughs> it's on foodandwine.com. Oh, boy. <laughs> anyway, we're not a food podcast. I, mean, I could do a food oh, podcast. Oh,
1: we could totally do like a, a weird food business. Yeah,
0: we could We could do a, a, a side podcast if we wanted to that was just food, which we might... We could do that this summer. Oh, boy. Depending on if I'm not... Like, that is the
1: third thing this weekend you've referenced. Let's do that this summer.
0: Okay, the other one was painting my kitchen cabinets. That's not like a commitment thing that's a just do it one weekend yeah no that that would be fun maybe i don't know we'll We'll talk about it we'll talk about it i don't i don't know i'm trying to do things i'm in grad school i'm still in grad school and it's stressing me out (laughs) Anyway, anyway, we're not here to talk about food. We're what? here to talk about ghosts and hauntings and yeah.
1: And I think we both have very traditional ghosty stories today. Yeah, kind
0: of, kind of. And and mine like is funny because it's multiple buildings that I'm just going to give like little pieces of. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's fun.
1: Mine's one big story about one building.
0: Of course it is. Yeah. Uh, did I go first last week or did you? I think you did. Oh, then it's your turn. Yeah. You have to go first now. <laughs> All right.
1: I want to go ahead and give a disclaimer before I start, though. My story does include mentions of sexual violence and self-harm. So if those topics are triggering to you, maybe skip ahead to Jeremy's story.
0: Yeah. I think my story wouldn't be... No, my story's not so bad. Okay. In terms of, like, triggering events.
1: Um, so my story, um, shout out to author Troy Taylor, who posted this article on anomalien.com.
0: A nom alien? Yes, it is a. Even though it's not an alien story,
1: it is not. But it, a nom alien is a website that just collects stories about aliens, cryptids, ghost stories, just point, like supernatural, paranormal type stories.
0: Mm. So, yeah.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> I don't know why I made that weird. That was
1: a very skeptical sound from the co-host of a <laughs> podcast about ghost stories and urban legends. Uh, yeah, that's fair yeah um continue all right so eastern illinois university is a public university in charleston illinois um established in 1895 as the eastern illinois state normal school a teacher's college offering a two-year degree eastern illinois university gradually expanded into a comprehensive university with a broad curriculum including bachelor's and master's degrees in education business arts sciences and the humanities
0: the humanities. Oh, the humanities. Do not take my tagline from the <laughs> School of Arts and Humanities here.
1: Um, so, Eastern Illinois, it's really close to um, St. Louis.
0: Um, I was going to say, it sounds super familiar. Yeah, it's
1: close to St. Louis. They actually draw a lot of students from St. Louis and East St. Louis, which is the Illinois side of the river. Yeah. Um, but most people associate Eastern Illinois with the sort of image of their main building, which is like a castle, basically. Um. Their old main building, it looks like a castle, and it's worked into the logo of their school and everything, so.
0: Of course it is. Yeah. We, you always got to find one thing to work into your logo. Uh-huh. The Western Cupola, the Lindsay Chapel, like, it's its a whole thing.
1: Yeah, they work in their li- weird little castle. It goes back to, the, like, that trend of, like, around the, you know, late 1800s, early 1900s, where every building in America, like, they wanted to be a castle like prisons i think it was a big thing with prisons to do that because like the kentucky state penitentiary in Eddyville, does it look like a castle it kind of looks like a castle oh why they did i not the, even know they that? they actually call it the castle on the cumberland but anyway
0: anyway we're very tangential today we
1: are okay so at back at eastern illinois pemberton hall or pym as it's sometimes referred to by its residents was the first college building in illinois to provide housing for women on campus Construction of Pemberton Hall was completed in 1909, when Eastern Illinois University was still Eastern Illinois State Normal School. The building was named for Illinois State Senator Stanton C. Pemberton, who was instrumental in getting funding for the building approved.
0: That's always what it is. It's always a senator or somebody. It's always whoever got the most money for the building. Yep. Uh,
1: The four-story building was designed for residency by approximately 100 female students. and included parlors, fireplaces, a fourth-floor maid's quarters, a matron's apartment, and a dining room. A small gymnasium for use by all students was also part of the original building. Although only female students lived in Pemberton Hall, and no students were required to live on campus, the building served as a center for many social functions for the college in its early years, since the first floor parlor provided space for parties and meetings.
0: Okay, I kind of love that, though. Yeah. I love the idea of, like, buildings that have those big open spaces. Mm -hmm. I don't know why I think that's fun. Maybe it's because I work in theater, and I'm like, ooh, if we had a lobby, we could host...
1: (laughs) Well, and it goes back to it was definitely intentional on the part of the designers and the school at the time because it's like, oh, well, if you're gonna hang out, we'd rather you do it here.
0: right. Oh, yeah, especially since it's a women's,
1: yeah. So um I know there's a school in Arkansas toward that small like um, Baptist College, they have a large lobby in one of their main female residence halls, and there's the three step rule, and that's oh. no male can step past the third step on the grand staircase
0: you got to maintain that traditional courtship. Yeah, but anyone can hang out in their main lobby because, again, they would rather you be there where you can be seen and you're not hiding and maybe doing the devil's work.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) All right. So today,
1: Pemberton Hall has an old section, the portion of the building that dates from 1909, and a new section that was built in the early 1960s. With the addition of the new section, Pemberton can now house over 200 students in single, double, and triple rooms. The former gym is now home to the university's honors college. The matron's quarters are now a resident director apartment. The fireplaces are not used because of the risk of setting the nearly 100-year-old <sighs> woodwork on fire. And the fourth floor is used as a storage attic.
0: Oh, the whole first, for, fourth floor is storage now. The Whole fourth floor is storage.
1: Pemberton is actually one of it is the only residence hall at EIU that has its own Wikipedia page. Oh my god. And is one of the only college residence halls I've seen in the course of this podcast that has its own Wikipedia page.
0: Yeah, that's not normal. Yeah. Um, but there's a
1: reason for that. Oh, of course. <laughs> so, as with any build- old building on any campus, there are many reg- legends about Pem. For more than 80 years, women living in the hall claim to have encountered the ghost or ghost and have reported hearing someone or something playing the piano and scratching on the walls of the building's abandoned fourth floor. No! No! Um, which I don't know if I explicitly said, but Pemberton is still in use. It is still in all-female
0: residence hall. Because of course it is. Because of course it
1: is. But how did this tale begin? As with every chilling tale, it started with a series of terrifying events. In this case, they took place on a cold winter's night around 1917. It was a bitterly cold night in January, and one of the residents of Pemberton Hall went upstairs to the fourth floor of the building to play the piano. It was very late, but the young woman had been unable to sleep and hoped that some soft music might ease her mind and help her to relax.
0: That's me with my murder podcasts. Yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> that's what I do all the time at night.
1: The story goes that a janitor who worked on campus somehow managed to gain access to the women's hall that night. The janitor cautiously made his way through the dark building to the upper floor. Here, he found his victim with her back turned to the open doorway. No! He grabbed her savagely and pummeled her with his fist. He continued attacking her, ultimately raping her, beating her, and leaving her for dead. Oh my god! Soon after, he made his escape and vanished into the cold winter's night. The young woman, however, was not dead.
0: Oh my gosh. No, 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 no.
1: She managed to drag herself to, to the stairs, leaving a bloody trail in her wake, and crawled down the steps. She pulled her battered body along the hallways, feebly scratching on doors and trying to awaken someone to help her. Finally, she made it to the dorm matron's door, and managed to rouse her from her sleep when the matron came to the door she found the young woman in a pool of blood her body bruised torn and now lifeless
0: i'm i'm real bad about this i don't like this
1: as the years have passed residents of pemberton hall say they've heard this event from the past repeating itself in the building they recall the dragging sounds heard near the stairs that led to the upper floors and the sounds of scratching on doors and walls Most disconcerting, though, are the bloody footprints that have appeared in the corridor only to vanish moments later. Many believe the ghost of the murdered young woman has returned to haunt Pemberton Hall. But if she has, she does not walk the building alone.
0: Oh, she got friends. She got friends.
1: (laughs) So the matron who discovered the murdered girl was named Mary Hawkins. She was a young woman herself, barely older than the lady she'd been hired to assist. She was a very attractive woman with long blonde hair and a bright disposition that quickly made her a favorite among the residents of Pemberton Hall and on the campus of Eastern Illinois. However, the effect of the murder on Mary's personality was devastating. She became haunted by the death of the young woman, and students spoke of seeing her pacing the hallways at all hours of the night, unable to sleep and tormented by horrible visions visions and guilt. Finally, unable to cope with her depression, the nightmares that accompanied it, Mary was institutionalized and later committed suicide. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah. Why did you? Yeah, it got dark. I gave a warning. I know, but you are, you know who you are right now? You're Kenyon from Wine and Crime. She always does really terrible stories.
1: Shortly after her death, the residents of Pemberton Hall started to report some other strange occurrences in the building, and these spooky events continue today. They believe the incidents can be explained as the ghost of Mary Hawkins still making her rounds and checking in on the young women who live in the building. Perhaps her spirit is unable to rest after losing one of the women in her care, and she still roams the hall, watching out for them and protecting them from harm. Her ghost is said to glide through the rooms, locking and unlocking doors, turning off radios and televisions, and generally keeping track of things that go on. For many years, students have spoken of the odd happenings in the building and events that would convince them Convince even the most skeptical of residents that perhaps the hall was truly haunted. On many occasions, students um, have reported late night door knocking and inexplicable sounds in the hallways. Once the door is opened to see who might be there, the hallway is discovered to be empty. Others claim to have seen the apparition of a woman entering the, their rooms and then vanishing. Some have seen her leave, closing and locking the door behind her. In other cases, residents who distinctly recall leaving the doors open often find them to be mysteriously locked the next morning it was this it was if it was as if someone was checking up on them and was worried about their safety could it have been mary hawkins and these are recent accounts from some of the former residents the original stories date you back even farther than this according to one former resident there was a string of strange incidents in the fall of 1952 when she was living in the dorm she explained that the girls were being awakened at all hours of the night by banging on the doors and from knocks that seemed to be coming from inside of the walls no cause was ever determined for the incidents, but most just assumed that it was Mary trying to make her presence known. Throughout the nineteen sixties and seventies, residents reported hearing the sounds of whispers in the building.
0: Especially, I'm, I'm not. I'm just saying, it's the knocking inside the walls yeah. and whispering. This is very poltergeist. Yeah. Um, especially
1: re- residents reported hearing the sounds of whispers in the building, especially on the fourth floor, and there were a number of reports of apparitions in the stairwell. These figures appeared very briefly and then vanished. One student, who lived in Pemberton Hall in 1976, recalled the problems that the resident advisors had with the furniture in one of the lounges. It seemed that all the furniture in this room would often be overturned or at the very least rearranged. It would often happen during the overnight hours, but sometimes it happened much faster than that, and was cleaned up instead of moved about. Apparently, an Ari walked into the room one morning and discovered the furniture had all been moved around. She went to get some help to straighten the room up again... And when she and another resident came back, they found everything had been restored to order. After that, the RA just always left the room the way she found it, and yet somehow it would later be cleaned up. The students on the floor all denied knowing how this continued to take place. You know, it makes sense. You, sa- you just said poltergeist. Yeah. And I'm thinking back to, like, our early episodes. I think you did a poltergeist story.
0: Yes, I did, because I explained what a poltergeist was. And how
1: it's triggered by like, tr- trauma and stress.
0: Yeah. Because um, poltergeists don't just show up because like, ooh, I died. It's a traumatic death.
1: Exactly. So, and you got two traumatic deaths here. So,
0: yeah, and that's it's like, uh, <laughs> yep, I can't deal. I, I just, you know, everyone talks about like I, the stuff that happens like in their dorms, their residence halls, their whatever, mm-hmm. or their apartments, even when they they live in college. And I never had anything like this happen. Uh-huh. I would have. Dropped out. No. <laughs> okay, that's excessive. That's a lot. But I definitely would have like cried, <laughs> immediate tears, because <laughs> it was a Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun to make fun of people who cry a lot.
1: <laughs> it sounds like something someone who cries a lot would say.
0: <laughs> that's accurate.
1: <laughs> so most students don't actually see Mary or the other ghost, but few doubt the spirits exist. Many have had their own odd encounters, and even without the benefit of actually seeing anything. Amy Taylor, an alumnus of Eastern Illinois University, lived in Pemberton Hall for several years. She has recounted many stories about Mary Hawkins and the strange activity there. While she never came face-to-face to fa- face face with Mary Hawkins, she did have a few disconcerting experiences. One recurrent, recurring incident involved the lights on the fourth floor of the building, where the music room is located, and where the attack on the f- young woman took place many years ago. Even though this floor is now locked and off-limits to residents, many of the students reported seeing the windows open and close, and lights turn on and off. There was never any logical explanation for why this might be taking place. In addition, Amy tells of another unexplained incident that took place one morning after she and a number of other residents left a communal shower room. When they closed the door behind them, they were sure that all the curtains to the individual showers had been closed. When they entered the hallway, they heard a loud sound like something being... Something monstrous, monstrous was sliding across the floor of the empty room behind them. They ran back in to find that all the shower curtains were now open, and a heavy wooden chair had someone travel, somehow traveled across the room under its own power. It was now sitting directly in front of the door. No one else had entered the, or left the room since Amy and the others had departed. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that's just a lot. In recent years, the majority of weird reports have centered on the fourth floor. Even though no one ever goes up there, this does not stop residents from reporting the sounds of footsteps pacing overhead and the strains of faint piano music filtering down. The floor remains darkened and closed off and is empty save for old furniture and the dust of decades. It has been abandoned by students and visitors alike, although there is still a piano stored in the music room. Is this where the music come from? comes from? If so, one has to wonder if the music that comes from these days is of our world or the next.
0: Hmm. I have a lot of um, feelings. <laughs> that is the
1: story of Pemberton Hall at Eastern Illinois University. Oh,
0: I just poltergeist ones really freak me out a little bit, which is why when you like uh, the while back when you thought you heard something in my house, the cough, yeah, the cough, the coughing, the, the coughing, or when you lived in that apartment where I thought you, I thought there was like something there. The shadow, the shadow that kept walking over by the the bathroom in the bedroom, yeah, like those feel poltergeisty to me mm-hmm. because they're very physical manifestations, and those freak me out a little bit. Everything else is kind of fun, the history the the vague this was moved, but mm-hmm. nothing no one was hurt, no one was like freaked out in terms of like yeah, you, you know that's just fun to me, but this is, oof.
1: but it's they no one's ever been harmed by it no one's ever well that's fair yeah it's not like someone moved it you know something moved a chair in front of a stairwell so someone tripped over it
0: me <laughs> what are you doing just waiting for you to tell your story oh my gosh okay um so my story is a little different um but we are going to go to the university of new mexico Ooh! And I've only been to New Mexico like once, I think.
1: I've never been to New Mexico.
0: I honestly couldn't tell you where in New Mexico I have been. I think I've been to Santa Fe.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I sang at some church down there, and I have no idea where it was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome to my college experience. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we just went to states, and I, I, you, you just, you just knew you got on a bus, I... you went somewhere. I got on a bus, I went somewhere, we drove all over the country, and I could not tell you where we were sometimes. I also cannot imagine
1: riding a bus from here to New Mexico.
0: Well, we didn't do that. Usually, the way we did it was we flew to one location that put us like close in the general vicinity, and then we would drive within that range, mm-hmm. Like especially when we went to New England. We flew into Rhode Island and then drove all around, but I think we flew into Colorado. Colorado. Yes, we did. We flew into Denver. Yeah. And then we drove as far like going all the way south into okay. New Mexico in that area. We were supposed to go to Texas, not that didn't happen. So,
1: Texas is a ways from Colorado. It
0: is, but we were we were supposed to go like very far south into Texas. <laughs> so, we we're going to go to the University of New Mexico, which is a gigantic <laughs> like an R1 public research university mm-hmm. in Albuquerque, New Mexico. It was founded in 1889, and UNM offers bachelor's, master's, doctoral, and professional degree programs. So, their campus is huge. <laughs> just the Albuquerque campus. Over 600 acres of land. That's a big school. <laughs> Look at all that, those acres. <laughs> oh My gosh. Well, I think
1: that's very common, though, among the schools out west.
0: Yeah, well, because they can. Like, yeah, they can just spread out. Yeah, here you're, like, bound between two hills. <laughs> two mountains keep you in one location pretty much (laughs) um so the university of new mexico was founded uh on february 28th in 1889 um with the passage of house bill number 186 basically saying that said institution is hereby located at or near the town of albuquerque in the county of bernalillo I think I said it right, um, within two miles north of Railroad Avenue in said town upon a tract of good, high, and dry land of not less than 20 acres suitable for the purposes of such institution. And I only included that because I think it's so interesting the way they they said, we're going to make this a state-designated institution, and this is how we're going to do it. Yeah,
1: basically the state <laughs> just
0: bequeathed that land to the university. Exactly, which is interesting yeah. to me. Um, but basically... You have, um, let's see, that was Bernard Shandon-Rhodi, a judge of the territory of New Mexico. He was the one that pushed to have Albuquerque as that location. Mm-hmm. So they actually made him, they gave him the title of father of the university. And then eventually you get the university started and the first building, Hodgin, H-O-D-G-I-N. Okay, yeah, I'd say I, think, I think Hodgin. Hodgen Hall opened. Now, I only mentioned this maybe. I, see, I couldn't decide if it was Hodgen or not, but either way, I'm sure that someone out there knows. Um, but while it was the first hall opened mm-hmm. and is reported to be haunted, there are no first-hand accounts. There never are. But the thing is that that's what makes me so frustrated is there's I don't even have like specific instances to give everyone, mm-hmm. but that building is supposed to be haunted even the University itself... Says it's haunted. Says it's haunted. Um, there was actually a post on Facebook that I was able to find from 2012 where they were actually asking for, what are your firsthand accounts of hauntings on the campus of the University of New Mexico? And they even say, like, Hodgkin Hall, where we're housed, mm-hmm. is supposed to be haunted, although the ghost seems to be a little quiet. And I'm like, then tell me the story. <laughs> but no one would tell me, so... I Have to let that one go. So
1: did they like no one reply to that?
0: Post? Essentially. <laughs> um. So then we're gonna look at one, two, three slash four different buildings real quick. Okay. We're gonna start with Rodney Hall, the University Theater, because of course we are. Um. Now we know a lot about theaters being haunted because we did a whole episode on theaters just in general being haunted. Mm-hmm. But there was oh, and I should probably cite this guy. <laughs> um Antonio Sanchez wrote for the Daily Lobo, which is the campus newspaper for uh the University of New Mexico, and he wrote an article that I pulled a lot of this from. And this comes out of that article as well. A student whose name was Ashley Brown said she experienced a paranormal encounter while working as a student electrician in oh, I said Rodney Hall, it's Roadie Hall. Oh gosh. That's different. It's uh, different. Well, it's Rhodey. It's named after Bernard Shandon Rhodey. Okay. Um, but um, she was working as an electrician and student in Rhodey Hall. And because of that, she often has to walk across the small upstairs hallway that leads to the theater spotlights. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, think of like a catwalk style thing. And when she's going up to get to the spotlights, to work with them, to work on them. She's heard mysterious noises in the last two years that she's worked at the theater. And she says that when you're up there by yourself, we go up, stalk stuff, put stuff away, and you can always hear keys jingling. And she said, I swear, there's keys jingling and the door would randomly just open. So we call him the spot booth ghost. Now, there's nothing in here that says he's, you know, uh, real. mm, (laughs) Malevolent. Oh, okay. Um, but they do, like, it's not just her. It's multiple theater uh, students, multiple theater faculty that do believe this. And mm-hmm. that's the one I'll give you that says they believe this. Okay? Okay. <laughs> because we're going to move on to some other halls, like a residence hall named Coronado Hall. Okay. Now, this one is reported to be very haunted. And one of the hall directors says, "I'm sorry. He, I think he's a coordinator, but he runs the building." Yeah. Um, People always go into rumors, and I think for them it's fun. Like the rumors uh, that Coronado was, or like the rumors of Coronado Hall. Coronado was opened in the fall of 1959. It's never been a hospital. It's always been a residence hall. The most I hear from people is that they hear noises. It's an old building, and sound travels differently than any other building. That's really the honest truth. It's never anything unexplained. No, I don't believe that. (laughs) I mean, sound does travel weird ways through old buildings. I mean, yes, but it feels like he's just very quickly trying to say, Not my building, nope. Nope, nope, we're not haunted, we're not haunted. There's a hall on campus that, in one of the buildings that the whole time I was a student um in at lindsay we called it haunted hall mm-hmm. they're not allowed to call it that anymore yeah and i'm like oh my god y'all yeah. <laughs> so that it's it feels very much like that harsh denial mm-hmm. and part of this comes from the rumor that it used to be a hospital and that specifically it was a mental hospital like an asylum at some point yeah and that there were lots of deaths and they were under mysterious circumstances mm-hmm. and that now that building is haunted by those People who experience that trauma, right? Right. Now, here's why I think that there is truth in some of this, even though, no, that building wasn't a hospital. Mm-hmm. On the campus of UNM, there is Carrie Tingley Children's Hospital. Okay. It was opened in 1910 by Clyde Tingley and his wife, Carrie Wooster Tingley. They were children treated that there were children treated there for a variety of different ailments, including tuberculosis, scoliosis, and spina bifida. So very much like, well, you know, TB, but then like neurological stuff. Yeah. Now that hospital is now merged with the UNM medical facilities. Mm-hmm. So it has become part of the campus. And apparently the ghosts of the past still linger there. In some of the unused sections of the building, people have reported seeing glowing lights, Uh, flittering out from other doors, um, like from underneath them. Mm -hmm. There are also fairly regular reports of invisible energy fields or barriers that make it difficult, if not impossible, for people to pass through certain doors and or hallways. That's
1: creepy. Exactly,
0: right? Um, In the oldest parts of the hospital, people also say that they have experienced the disembodied voices and sometimes sobbing of children. Ugh. Others say that they have heard heartbeats, almost like hearing a baby on an ultrasound. And finally, on a handful of occasions, people have also seen figures in black robes in dark hallways walking around the hospital. That is why I think that there's some... This is how urban legends get confuddled? Mm -hmm. That's a word, right? That is not... I don't think that's a word. (laughs) They, I think that there is some cross between this hospital and Coronado Hall. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know their proximity to one another because I can't tell, because it's all just part of a big medical complex now. I can't yeah. tell exactly where the hospital was from like pictures of the campus. Mm-hmm. But I would be willing to bet that some of those stories are bleed-throughs.
1: Yeah. If it's like, if that occurred in the hospital, and then this rumor got started that this hall was a hospital.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think that they're connected in some way, form, or fashion. But also, like, figures in black robes, like, is that death? Just, like, stalking around? I mean, I think, I I don't know. I don't know. There's a lot of weird uh, history with the idea of people in black robes. Yeah. So, I... Or I, it's a cult, you know. Could be both. <laughs> Maybe i are just graduating today, you know. Yeah, this is just my quadru- graduation. My graduation, Walton Wolf. What Oof. is wrong with me today? You got your little
1: graduation, Walton That's the second the time, time I've done that. And little
0: <laughs> You're being rude to people who actually have those speech impediments. Oh, wait. Never mind. Yeah, I had that
1: speech impediment. <laughs> You're being rude to yourself. <laughs> okay, that, that, granted, it's. I was it's, not trying to make fun of people with speech impediments.
0: I know you weren't. I was just laughing because I can't talk sometimes. <laughs> I was more perceiving like a little
1: kid because that sounds like a little kid to
0: me. Yeah. Well, now <laughs> that little kid is graduating and they're haunting this building. <laughs> but one final one is the story of, the, of Mesa Vista Hall.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: In the early 1970s, three student football players entered Mesa Vista Hall in the elevator. Okay, so they just go into an elevator. No big deal, right? Mm-hmm. There's a history professor who is in that building now, and he says that the three students began to mess around, leading to the unfortunate placement of one student's head between the closing elevator doors.
1: Ugh.
0: This student was subsequently decapitated. Ooh. Because, yeah. Especially, it's the 70s.
1: Oh, yeah, those did not have the sensor to, like, stop them.
0: No sensor. The the elevator started moving. It was a whole thing. And that should be enough to make you know that if anything happens in that building, we can probably attribute it to that very, like, traumatic death. Yeah. But this history professor (laughs) says the stories are mostly about noises, and had it not been for the death of that student in the elevator, I think there would be no excitement about it at all. Uh, I'm not keen on those stories. I hear them more in a third and fourth person than uh, people who have actually seen something. But to my knowledge, no one is skulking around the corners.
1: Sounds like a cover-up.
0: Why are people so adamant that it's not that? There's no way it can be that. Like, How do you know? How do you know? How do you know that the the stuff you're hearing isn't more than just an old house or an old building or an old whatever?
1: Yeah, well, but at the same time, that helps you sleep at night.
0: I mean, I guess so. I have lots of anxiety, and that wouldn't be the thing that's keeping me awake. <laughs> There's lots of stuff that'll keep me awake. I
1: mean, fair. It's like, oh, it's just a ghost. It's not an intruder.
0: Yeah, see, that to me is like, okay, okay. I feel better about a ghost than I do someone who actually broke into the building. Yeah. Which has always been my thing, like on campus buildings at night. Yeah. I don't, I don't like being in them by myself if I, if I hear stuff and I don't think it's a haunted thing. Yeah.
1: Well, because remember, there's only ever been one case of like a supposed like paranormal thing killing someone. So what's that? The Bell Witch.
0: Oh. Oh, yeah. Huh. Because everything else has like physical attributions. Yep.
1: Oh. That is the only documented like thing where like the cause of death on the death certificate
0: was. Ghost. Ghost. Ghosty. (laughs) Yes. Ghosty death.
1: Ghosty death. Well, technically it was poisoning, but poisoning by the ghost. (laughs) Like supposedly the spirit of the bell witch switched the labels on medication.
0: Oh.
1: So I think it was John Bell was given poison instead of.
0: This is in Tennessee, right? Yep. Yeah. That's what I thought. Um, But that is, those are the stories that I have from the University of New Mexico. But the thing I think is the coolest takeaway from this, Mm -hmm. all the people associated with UNM are trying to very heavily go, no ghost. Every story has someone going, no ghost.
1: Sounds like a cover up.
0: Because I didn't even go into the the university theater guy. There's a a guy who is like, every theater's haunted. This isn't just UNM. It's just a theater thing. And I'm like. That's true. I agree. Mm But also, why are you trying to downplay... It's
1: like the government going, no aliens here.
0: No aliens. No aliens. No ghosts.
1: And then like 50 years later, by congressional requirement,
0: <laughs> maybe aliens. Like, we hear wind on Mars. Hmm. What? Am I hearing my literal stomach make noises? I,
1: don't, I heard my chair like creak. Like I moved in my chair. Like, <laughs> Because, remember, this is the chair I'd, like, rebuild.
0: I know. It's an old chair. Yeah. But, yeah, those are my stories on the University of New Mexico. Fun. I don't know. Those were interesting to me. They were more classic. Yeah. But I love that
1: everyone's like, no. Yeah, that makes
0: me think something else is going on. But the same thing happens around here. People are like, no, there's an explanation for that. And I'm like, I mean, sure, I guess. Sure, Jan yeah sure jan is like my go-to for that but
1: what about you do you believe in the ghosty things that happen on your campus or happened on your campus
0: yeah for real we need to we need to see what's going on in places that we don't know about
1: yeah so send us an email at creepycampuspodcast.gmail.com
0: or reach out online at uh pod on instagram or the same thing on twitter yeah um yeah And our pod page is linked in all of that. So we actually have a website where you all can look and see uh, what we're up to. It links through to all of our social media. Yep.
1: Whenever I remember to update it, mm. that's usually the thing I do on Wednesday mornings, like after the pod, because I can't do it until it goes live,
0: right? Because that's how it
1: populates on the page. So I usually do it like while I'm drinking coffee, but sometimes I'm like in a hurry and, and you
0: don't do it. And I do it later on because so. it's me in the middle of the night <laughs> editing and it uploading. It's, it's on you Tuesdays. waking up on Tuz- a Tuesday oh. night after
1: going to bed and be like, I didn't
0: edit. Yeah, and running back to edit the podcast. I get very panicked
1: snapshots from Jeremy. It's like, I forgot to edit. I
0: forgot to edit the podcast, and I feel like a terrible human being. <laughs> it's, it's not, I, I don't think. You don't think that anyone's going to like freak out? No. <sighs> if
1: you're going to freak out, shoot us an email and let us know.
0: Yeah, please. Please send us emails. Please annoy me. Yeah. I like to be annoyed.
1: Okay, it's on tape, it's recorded. I'm going to hold this over his head forever.
0: I like to be annoyed in a way that. Creates you're, you're, good content.
1: You're digging your hole deeper.
0: That creates good content. <laughs>
1: Just digging your hole deeper.
0: <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go finish my tea. <laughs> All right. See you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.